Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. A little cold open here to talk about our friend, our hero, our guitar god, Mr. John Flansburg. A lot has happened since, uh, well, actually right before the last last week's episode aired, the Out of Jail episode, our illustrious guitarist was involved in a car accident on the way back from their kickoff gig for the tour. The tour starting back up after two plus years, the Flood 30th anniversary tour that is happening on the 32nd anniversary. They got one show off at the Bowery Ballroom, and on the way home, a drunk driver strikes the car that John and his driver are in and tips the car, and John ends up with seven broken ribs. So on Wednesday, June 8th, they played the Bowery Ballroom, and then on June 9th, we get an email. People that sign up for uh, on their email list, a message from John L. of They. Now, usually, we all know that Flansburg is usually running the business end of things, so that, that was a little, you know, sent up some flags right there. And so John said, Mr. Linnell said, Hey, everybody. John L. here. Last night's show was amazing, and it was so wonderful to finally be back up on stage and playing for all of you again. It was a joy. Unfortunately, Mr. John Flansburg was in a rather serious car accident on his way home from the gig. The initial report is that he has seven broken ribs, several of which have multiple fractures. The good news is that no vital organs were involved, and the long-term prognosis seems positive. Of course, there will be a lengthy recovery process. Sadly, we are going to have to postpone the rest of the June tour dates once more. We will return with more details on all of that in due time. For now, we are hopeful that the late summer dates, beginning August 30th, will be able to continue as planned. Please send your healing rays to Flans. Drive safely, and we look forward to seeing everyone as soon as possible. Yours, John Linnell. So then the next day, we got an email from Mr. Flansburg which is nice to see so soon after. An update to all from John F. of TMBG. So this is actually actually the same day, five hours later. Greetings from the hospital. I'm writing to you with my glasses, a crumpled memory while under a thick cloud of pain medication. In spite of that, I wanted to write to you all to explain what exactly happened to me. Last night in a car service on the way to my apartment after the Magnificent Bowery Ballroom show, I was in a rather dramatic car accident. Crossing into an intersection, our car was T-boned by a vehicle going at a very fast speed. The force of the impact actually flipped our car over its, to its side. While the driver and I oriented ourselves to our new sideways, broken glass, and airbag-filled reality, we sensed the ominous smell of motor oil and smoke. Remarkably, just a moment later, it seemed, a dozen NYC firemen arrived and set their minds on finding a way to liberate us. To them and the fantastically efficient EMS who whisked us to a trauma center, I will be forever grateful. While sitting in the CT scan machine, I was working out how much more time I would need to get to D.C. for the next show in my diminished state. When I explained my plan to the doctor, he explained I had broken seven ribs, a majority of the ribs on my right side, and some of them in multiple places, and I wasn't going to be anywhere but in a bed for the foreseeable future. While the pain in my side has only gotten worse since, it is my heart that is now really breaking over these events. The entire band and crew have been working so hard to create a new show worthy of your interest and your endurance over these miserable COVID years. Last night was such a victory, 
and with unplayed new songs in the works and rearrangements of older material with the horn section, it was all feeling like a new beginning. But today, I am in the hospital. I would understand anyone thinking we are just a band born under a bad sign and giving up hope, but I also know someday we will rock again, and for me, that day couldn't come soon enough. Until then, I will be watching reruns of Sex in the City until I am strong enough to reach the remote. Wish me luck, I'm going to need it. And if you haven't seen uh, Flansburg's posts, I would highly recommend going to his Instagram, it's Flansy Flans. Uh, we've retweeted a bunch of those as well. And then just two days ago, there was another update from Flans. Monsignor Upward here with a brief update. If you've been following Flansy Flans on Instagram, you already know that he is acing his puffer game, but still stuck watching Sex in the City reruns. Things are trending in the right direction, and we expect him to be home shortly and rocking stages in the near future. Flans is incredibly grateful for the outpouring of healing vibes that have been sent his way. They have all been received. And if you sign up for the mailing list, they also included a free alternate version of Hearing Aid that was used in that live show, so you should do that. And now, as of recording this, uh, just three hours before recording this, the MIP Giants posted on social media, Hey everybody, John F. Guitarman of the MIP Giants here with an update on my scene. After six long days at the hospital, I am now recovering at home. It will be slow, but I am already feeling much better. At least that's what the meds told me to say. This week's shows will all be happening eventually, and I can guarantee they will be worth the wait. Thanks to all for all your kind notes, and thanks to the Daily News for bumping me up to lead guitarist. Parentheses, Dan, it wasn't me. And there's a picture. The lead guitarist of the rock band, the Mighty Giants, was injured in a, quote, dramatic car crash in East Harlem with an alleged drunk driver who cops say blew a red light. As far as well wishes go, we've got a bunch for you, Mr. Flansburg. First up, we've got a message from Quinn Morris. Flans, sending you the hardest, rockinest, healingest vibes I have to offer. Get well soon. Next up, a message from our friend Ben Bird. This is Ben Bird calling to say that I hope John Landsberg gets well and gets well soon. Know this is a, we all know this is a tough time for you, for the band, for your family, and uh, we all wish you nothing but the absolute best and hope for a full, speedy, and complete recovery. We look forward to you getting back to the tour, and we will wait for all the dial-a-songs that I'm sure you're going to create in your downtime. In all seriousness, hope everything goes well for you, and I know that there was someone in the car with you. I hope that person is doing well and recovering also. Wishing all of you guys nothing but the best. This next one's from our good friend Jonathan Leonard from Minnesota. Mr. Flansburg, thank you for all that you have done for music, for the niche group that is they might be Giants fan base I think the most telling thing that I've seen since that day is that I haven't seen near a single bad word to be said nothing but good healing vibes and the fact that I'm seeing all of that on the internet which can be a cultural cesspool with the worst of Sometimes humanity, I think, is a real testament to your body of work, your character, and what you yourself have put out into the universe. So I just want uh, you to heal up 
get ready to rock once again, and uh, we'll be waiting for you in front of the stage when the time is right. Okay, take care. Bye. Next message is from Laura, as she's known around Facebook, Laura Gray Cantbird. Hi, John. This is Laura. I am a longtime fan, over 20 years. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm living in Westchester now, and um, I've seen you all over the Northeast, and I want you to know that you mean so much to all of us. Uh, We want you to be well and out of pain as soon as possible, and if we get to see you rocking again later on in the tour or later on after that, we're going to be so thrilled, but everybody just wants you to uh, have a smooth and swift recovery. So don't stress yourself too hard. Keep doing your best. So glad that Robin's by your side. We love you. Take care. Next message is from Jack Moore from Illinois. Hey, John, Mr. Flansburg. As a young man who was turned on to your music by my father, it means so much to me, and I want you to get better, get well. Drunk drivers are the worst. Uh, Your music is a whole lot to me. I love you. Get better. Keep playing that music. I love you. All the way from Germany, it's Noah Daniel. Hey, Flans. Uh, this is Noah Daniel Ludwig from Germany. Uh, you might know this name from a, from a really incredible uh, ringtone that you recorded and sang for me. I, I was shocked uh, when, when I got the message, and uh, I'm so happy to, to hear that you're on the road of healing and uh, hopefully will be completely back to to normal soon and back on stage soon. Um, best wishes from from my father as well. Uh, he was in D.C. Uh, last week and uh, had tickets for the show. And uh, we're all really looking forward to seeing you again in Germany or maybe I'll, I'll come to the U.S. and uh, uh, experience the greatness that is in play might be giants. And... Uh, Hope to see you again, like uh, in 2018 in Hamburg, which was an unforgettable show for the whole family. And uh, they all were glad that I dragged them along. And uh, so best wishes and uh, lots of love, healing rays. Bye. And one more from Christina. Hey, Bland. Glad to know you're on the mend. I'm sure you're rejoicing in that sweet, sweet freedom from hospital food and crappy television reruns. I'm wishing you a full and speedy recovery. All the best. And personally, from me and... Everyone who helps with this might be a podcast. The whole community, uh, we're all sending those healing vibes, and we're glad to hear that you are out of the hospital already. You have flown the coop. You have escaped. You are out of jail, so to speak. And so that is very good news. Uh, We were very glad to hear about that. As you posted on Instagram, I guess not all hospital stays have to end, but mine does today. These five days have been very long, but I am on the road to recovery now. I look forward to retiring this hospital gown and delighting you all with more cat photos from the bed where I will be for these upcoming weeks. So, wishing you all the best with uh, your uh, laying in your bed at home. That should be much more uh, comfortable, I would think. And I'm excited to see you personally in Chicago in October. Uh, I should hope that you're in your full rockinest ability, you know, stage diving smashing your guitar, all that stuff <laughs> that you usually do as a, you know, a young 
man of the rock and roll world. So, uh, we've just got one more quick voicemail. This one is from new friend of the pod, Robert Reith, and this one is about our last episode, Out of Jail. And then we will hit this week's episode. Hey, Greg, this is Robert Reith from the internet. I'm sitting in my car, just got back from a late show. It's like 2 a.m. or something. I was listening to the Out of Jail episode, and I don't know why I called to show how much of an idiot I am, but I always thought that line, she was out of Xenia, I mixed up the title of that old, like, adventure book, Prisoner of Zenda. I guess I thought I remembered as Prisoner of Xenia, and I thought it was a literary reference. But the only thing I could find is there's a town called Xenia, Ohio, and there's a prison there. So, again, saying that this is a very literal song, I believe that's uh, what they meant. They're talking about a town in Ohio that has a prison. Um, I also think the line, she's, I'll say she's the man, I think that's like in referring like she's the culprit, you know, because she's the criminal. She's the man. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought I'd share. Anyway, love the show. Bye. And now, without further ado, boy, this is a long one. It's Robo Mayor with Stan Lee Allen. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on. Fight. This might be a podcast. This might be a podcast. It might be great. It might be guest. And it might be a big, big mess. Podcast popping in your Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. I am your host, host Greg Simpson, and I've had a lot of coffee. I'm so tired. And I'm here with awesome supporter of the show and first-time guest, Stanley Allen, to talk about the deep cut off of My Murdered Remains. It's Rowboat Mayor, or Mayor, depending. Here we go. Yeah, because we've had we had some crazy temps last week, or even just like three days ago. It was like mid eighties, which we kind of skipped over the spring and just went from like chilly to like sweltering. What's it like for oh, you guys right now? Well, it's it's already reached one hundred and two a couple of days here, so woo, it's crazy, yeehaw! Welcome to Texas. Are you 
from Texas originally? No, I am uh, an Air Force brat. I was born in Georgia, and my oh. my dad moved us all over the place, and we ended up yeah living in Illinois, New Hampshire, Colorado, South Georgia, Atlanta area, and then when I went to college, I went to Texas, and also went to uh, Arkansas. Uh, so I went all over the country. Yeah, I don't. I didn't hear any West Coast in there, but you've pretty much been all over. I didn't live on the West Coast, but I lived in in Colorado for a while. I've been to the West Coast many times, so. Sure. Colorado's far enough west, but yeah, I mean, you've been all over the country from one coast to t'other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like, man, I got in a goofy mood last week. We, we, we already, so everyone listening, we already discussed, like, we're going to go on crazy tangents for this episode because Robot Mayor, the Johns didn't give us a demo. They haven't played it live. We got covers. Yep, because we got cool people like Noah Daniel and that Kalemshi Okembo. We will get to those. But let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the Canadian comedy trio band from the 90s, Corky and the Juice Pigs? No, no, I never heard of that. They, they were almost like the house band on Mad TV. Did you ever watch Mad TV? It tried to compete with SNL for a few years. Uh, I knew that it was going on and uh, I kind of yeah. ignored it because I thought it was kind of lame. So it was not as good as SNL, especially in that era. Like it was, it was there in the '90s when, like, I think like the big crew of like Chris Farley had left. I don't know if he had passed yet, but Chris Farley left. You know, Dana Carvey, Kevin Nealon, like all those guys were leaving. Uh, Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, they had all left. But like the next good crew was coming in. I think. I think it was like starting up the Will Ferrell era and that crew, Tina Fey, and all that. And most of so, those, like, most it, of those were Canadians anyway. So Right. But there was this band called Corky and the Juice Pigs, which I looked up the guys recently because I didn't know them at the time either. They have this song called I'm a Trucker, and they're totally making fun of like the American trucker <laughs> culture. I don't know. They were probably like touring the US or something, stopping at truck stops, and they're like, these guys are wacky or whatever because you know truck stops are a a fun place you've been all over the country oh my goodness there's lots of cool shit you can get at truck stops lots of good diner food you know whatever but so i just when i said you've been from one coast to t'other this song (laughs) called trucker i should just drop in a clip you know who knows if we're gonna how long this episode's gonna be we could use an audio clip of trucker the boys here. We've been all the way across the country a number of times from one coast to t'other. Mm. And we've seen a lot of crazy things out there on the road. So we decided to write a song about a group of men that work out there alongside us on the road and never get too much recognition. Are you ready, boys? Yeah. Here we go. And a one, two, a one, two, three. I'm a trucker, I'm a trucker, I keep this country rolling. I'm a trucker, I'm a trucker, I like beer and bronze and bowling. I totally, I totally intend for, for to fill the hour here because I've got a lot to say. This is one of my favorite tunes. I love this thing. Oh, oh, it's yeah, and it's one that I'm glad that you kind of reminded me of its existence. Um, but before we get to into Rowboat Mayor, we got to hear about your Team BG story. I mean, are you an OG fan? Because you got a few years on me, and I'm already old compared to most of my guests <laughs> somehow. But when you say OG, well, I mean... Did you get into them pre-flood, is what I'm wondering. I am pre-flood. I'm a pre-floodite, or antediluvian, as they might say. Uh, the uh, What? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> the, 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 what do you, what do you, that's an old, that's an old uh, Latin-type term. 
anything before the flood antediluvian meaning before the flood oh okay diluvian yeah, yeah i see yep yeah. but uh that's the classiest way i've heard any is that a thing that was thrown around the fan base i i might have heard it i can't remember yeah or did you just come up with that I can't remember. I remember thinking about it a few years ago, but I think somebody t- said it. I can't remember who said it. I think we need to make that a thing. <laughs> so tell us, how did you hear about them if it wasn't Flood? Because you had to really be of the know. Well, Where were you at the time? Where were you living at the time? Actually, I was living in the Houston area. And let's just say that it wasn't Tiny Toons. Right. Yeah, that show <laughs> hadn't even been created yet. Exactly. I mean, but the uh, the short answer is a friend gave me a cassette tape. We we're talking about cassette tapes earlier, and it's a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you pass things around. The, the backstory behind that is I grew up on classic rock. You know, I was all into uh, prog rock. I was into the Beatles. I was into Yes. I was into, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. And I listened to all that s- the stuff that was popular when I was growing up. It was, it was the thing to do. Well, that was good shit. Pop music used to be good music. Pop music used to have guitars. Guitars are starting to come back around, thankfully, you know, because yeah. the 90s are back. Yep, yep, yep. They yep. went away for a while, but pop music was the good music, and it could be creative. I mean, the Beatles. The Beatles were at the top of their game. Uh, I was into yeah. all that. I liked Steely Dan, all, you know, very good stuff. But I, I kind of. Not so much into Steely Dan, but everything else you listed, I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is this friend? Do you want to give him props by name? Absolutely. My friend was named Jim. Jim McGaffey. Jim. Absolutely. Is it Jim? It's it. Is it Jim? <laughs> yes, it is. Here it is. Yeah, it was Jim. <laughs> is it Jim? Jim was in a different league than me because, I mean, I kind of ignored New Wave and Punk when the 80s came uh-huh. along, and I just didn't tune into it. But he was totally into this New Wave, Punk. He was really into, like, The Replacements and Elvis Costello, yeah. The Sex Pistols. Yeah. I mean, the first time he came into my house, he picked up my guitar and he goes, he starts strumming and goes, I am an anarchist. <laughs> Man. So would Jim want to come on the show? Uh, unfortunately, my friend Jim has passed away, but uh, but he would. I'm sure he would love it because he was a fan. We, we, we actually went to many Team B shows together when, when he was alive. Sounds like a kick-ass dude. He was a great fellow. Just a great guy. Rattle off all those bands. I'm like, yes, yes. Yes, those are all things I got into. I haven't yeah. gotten to your favorite yet. Ooh. He took me to, let's see, he took me to concerts, PIL. Ooh, Public Image Limited. Absolutely, The Cure. Johnny Rotten's uh, band, well, Johnny John Lydon, he went by after the Sex Pistols. For exactly. people who don't know, I don't know, do TMG fans listen to, I don't know. They should. <laughs> what What else you got? Peter Murphy, Bauhaus, of course. Cocteau Twins. Oh, God. The originators of Dream Pop. Exactly. And I was just, I was saving this up for you. The Jesus and Mary Chain. Yes. We saw them in, at Numbers in Houston. We saw them in live. We saw What year? Oh, man. I want to say it was just after Blues from a Gun came out. So the automatic. That's it. The Elmo's automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 88. Psycho Candy was 84, Darklands was 86, 88, right? Yeah. I mean, I could start a podcast on Jesus and Mary Chain right now. And, I, and I, hear, I hear you talking about them all the time. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Oh my God. It's so funny because they're so different. They might be Giants and Jesus and Mary Chain. I don't know. It's weird because I have come across, like, since I started this through punk news, a lot of my first guests were punk fans and, like, people I know in person. They listen to punk music, loud music. Like, Jesus and Mary Chain, some people might not call them punk, but they're, I mean, fuck, listen to Psycho Candy and, like, all the feedback and all this. Yeah. They were dubbed the next Sex Pistols by 
the Scottish press and like the British press. They were like, these guys are starting riots at their shows because they're just like blasting everyone with feedback and leaving the stage after 10 minutes. And all the kids are like, is that fucking it? And then they just like rip the PA down, you know, like. <laughs> Then, like, I started getting into more, like, the online They My Pajamas community. I didn't even belong to Miscellaneous Tea until maybe, like, six months before I started the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't, like, really in the community. I was, I had my own little real-life group of people that listened to They Might Be Giants. And we liked They Might Be Giants and No Effects and the Ramones and you know, all this other weird shit, sure. but like they might be giants for a band that doesn't use, they don't have a focus on speed and distortion. Yeah. You know, th they're coming from that, like record. There's digging. nothing shoegaze about they might be giants. <laughs> no, but that, you know, for all the genre hopping they do, I would love to hear. It would probably be, I could see Linnell write a cool, like dream pop song. Like, I don't know if you know the band Beach House, but like Modern Dream Pop was just like all these pad sounds, mm -hmm. you know, like all these swelling keyboard sounds. I don't know them, but I understand. No. Oh, they're good. I mean, like they worship Cocktail Twins. Like it's just. I, I, I saw Cocktail Twins in concert. So, yeah. Nice. I know yeah, all the so... I love all that stuff. Scottish. So good. Oh, yeah. Right. The first town, uh, Heaven or Las Vegas. So good. But like shoegaze, I think it would have to be Flans. It's kind of funny that they've never delved into that. They've never been huge fans of Reverb. No, which they're very dry. Which is key to both of those... Isn't that kind of weird? Like they've they've used like delay and reverb as like an effect, like a special effect. Like a robot mirror, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's some good like dun, 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 dun. but like they've never been like, let's slather the whole vocal track and no. reverb to where you can barely understand it. Like that's a key to like those two genres yeah. where you're like, is she singing in English? <laughs> no, I don't think wait, is she? I mean, it's kind of like the voice is an instrument and the lyrics aren't so important. Mm. Which the TMBG, the lyrics are pretty important. The lyrics are critical, absolutely. You don't want to miss, miss a word here on the Bobby Giants. You'll miss what it's all about. <laughs> but here's my pitch to Flans, who listens to every episode, I'm sure. <laughs> he, here's my pitch. Flans, just, just for once, you know, do the thing with the reverb to where you're purposely trying to make it hard to understand. And it could kind of be like, I can hear you type song. Where yeah. it's meta in that... It's hard to understand him. And then you look at the lyric sheet and you're like, son of a bitch, this song is about being hard to understand. <laughs> I don't right? understand you. I don't understand right. you. Or that, right? There, a lot of the fingertip songs, right? They're like, I walk alone. You know, if <laughs> why don't you write a whole song about darkened corridors? Yeah. And there's and your re reverb throughout the darkened corridors. Yeah. Exactly, right? You're like Jesus and Mary Chain. You're like climbing the fence over to some like Scottish castle. You're not supposed to be in there. You know, the night guards come and you got to record before they shut you down. And you're like echoing through the castle. Come on, that would be epic. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
Uh, so you've seen all these cool bands. How many times have you seen TMBG? Well, but before we get to that, let me mention that uh, the, the, okay. the, the tape that my friend Jim gave me, it had Anna Ang on it. Which one was that? So was it a mix? It wasn't just like Lincoln? No, it was Lincoln. It was Lincoln. I just blanked, okay. I just blanked on the word because like, I think it was Anna Ang. I could think of the beginning chord, and that was the first thing I thought of was Anna Ang. But it was Lincoln for sure. I listened to the whole of Lincoln. And nice. I just I just couldn't believe it. I just could not believe what I was hearing. I mean, just, you know, if you know pop music and you grew up on pop and rock, then you, you think to yourself, this is, you know, this puts all the puzzle pieces together. This is everything you want. Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all the melody, the, you know, the hooks, it's got all the, uh, the ability to craft something and, and make it complete and, and, and get a message across. I mean, it's just a different world. You know, you just, I, I was blown away, you know? Yeah. Cause I've talked about in the past how, cause I was coming from that punk rock, like I was just getting into punk rock, Green Day, Rancid, Offspring, Goldfinger, starting to get into like No Effects and Bad Religion. And then hearing, you know, Dig My Grave, I was like, okay, this fits. Uh-huh. Right. But then it goes right into I Palindrome. I'm like, this is also cool. <laughs> Not as fast, but it's still pretty cool. Right. So then, like, I think Dig My Grave is like the song. Cause even though I heard the Tiny Tune stuff, my friend Patrick, who was on the Anning episode, and the iPalindrome I episode back in the early days of the pod. But this is both like pre, like maybe like 20th episode. And I think Dig My Grave, like as a singular song, you know, him playing Apollo 18, thanks to his older brother and sister being into them, he's like, check this out. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is fast. It's weird. I don't know what's going on. And then as the album went on, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, there's so much yeah. different stuff going on here. I was just intrigued. And like, you're here with this power, this power thing, and then it's it's got a yeah. violin solo in it. You know? <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, what is going on there? Like, yeah. Well, I kind of had the same feeling. So yeah, because you're coming off like prog rock though, but then you hear Anna Ing, which is what you know, like three minutes a more lengthy song for them but the rhythms are weird syncopated rhythms got that gated reverb to it and yeah was anna ing then the very first they might be giant song you heard it had to be i plugged the tape in and said let's yeah. go and it was just non-stop like you said one thing oh man this is awesome and the next thing is totally different but it's its yeah. own thing and it's it's built together and then you put go and you put it all together i mean i think the i think the one song that just told me this is a different universe is where your eyes don't go. I mean, I just, Oh my goodness. Mm. This is not only, it's just so full of pieces and parts that are perfect in themselves. And then you put the lyrics together with that. It's just like, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you get over that? You don't get over that. You know, I mean, did you enjoy that episode? I loved it. I loved it. I can't believe I managed to, wait 178 episodes before doing where your eyes don't go that's such a piece of like iconic thing i mean oh i can't my god and and then the, you, you listen you know i mean I, in college we had a, like a music appreciation and so you know you, you listen to classical music and you learn who beethoven is who mozart is and bach and you hear harpsichord in a pop song and it's not just it's not just that it's it's also fugues and 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 uh, rounds and, and and all this stuff built into a pop song, and you know that this guy, whoever this person is, you don't know Lan- uh, who Linnell is or or Flansburg at that point, but but you're thinking this guy is not, he's not even doing this to show off. He's not doing this because he thinks it's clever. 
he's doing it because he loves it and it's fun and it's it just brings the song in a new way you know and then of course and then of course all the the modulation the way the song ends with the 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 totally different uh you know chord and mind going to the minor all it's just a beautiful thing That is such a good song. Yeah, Lincoln is just, you know, I talk about Apollo 18 just because it was is my favorite, but because it's the first I heard, but Lincoln is my second favorite. Now, since Lincoln was the first album you heard, would you say it's your favorite album by chance? Well, I mean, I love it, and uh, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, there's so, so much that I've absorbed. I, I, I kept up with everything until about about five years, like six years ago. I kind of I kind of uh, lost the currency of it. I, I got back in to currency. I never I never abandoned the band, but I just had you know the kids are growing up. They become teenagers. You have all kinds of other things on your plate and so forth. But uh, keeping up with new music is something that yeah, as a forty year old, like my wife's just like, how do you keep fine? I'm like every morning I have my coffee. I look at stereo gum. I might look at Pitchfork, you know, I'm scrolling my Twitter feed, which is entirely like music journalism and like music nerds. Like that's how I keep up with stuff. I have to try like Spotify helps a lot, honestly, because and YouTube, like it'll be like recommended for you. It's like if you're listening to cool stuff like they might be giants and Jesus and Mary Chain and the Mountain Goats, which are all totally different. They'll be like, maybe you'll like this new thing. And I'd click over like, that's pretty good. And I'll put it on a 2022 playlist. That's how I keep track of new stuff. And then I'll go back and be like, Oh yeah, that band was pretty cool. Like it's, but it's work. So like, even for a band you love, like the mountain goats got away from me for a couple years because he put out two albums in a year and then another album the next year. And then another album the next year. I'm like, I'm like three albums behind. And these guys are my second favorite band, third favorite band. Uh, so they might be giants putting out three albums in 2018. You were probably like, ah, I'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when I, when I finally caught up, I listened to all of it over and over again. I made a huge playlist and I continually listened to it because I wanted to, to capture every note. It was, um, yeah. I mean, all these songs like the communist of the music and, and all that yeah, basically yeah. I, I didn't, I missed dial the two dial songs. But once I got back in, it was like a cornucopia. So I, I, it's like you asked me basically, is Lincoln my favorite? I can't even think in those terms. It's just so, so much to, to have, you know. Okay, well, how about this? As a guy who's been into them, like I haven't been into them since the 80s, but close. I would break it down by decades because they're, they're entering their fourth decade, right? Yeah. They're 40 years old as a band in 2022, right? They were born in 1982, even though... Check out my, this is a turn-of-the-century era magnet. There you go, yeah. Look what that says. But look what date it has. 1983. Instead of 1983. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know when they decided to say, ah, oh, we're actually from 82, because they played three shows in 1982, just three shows. Yeah. 
But hell, that's enough. So at some point, they decided to back it up to 82, <laughs> right? Maybe in time for that 20th, century, or 20th anniversary Dial-A-Song compilation that my wife bought when we first met in 2002. So at some point, they changed it. But they're 40 years old. We'll just say that's 82. What is your favorite? Let's do this. Give me your four four albums. Favorite 80s album, favorite 90s album, favorite 2000s album, and favorite 2010s album. Go. Well, <laughs> I mean, for the 80s, it would definitely have to be Lincoln. I mean, I love the I love the Pink album. I, I can't get enough of that. I mean, I I gotta say, you know, you listen to a, a song like uh, "Nothing's Gonna Change My Clothes," you don't get over that. It's like just like the "Where Your Eyes Don't Go." You don't ever get mm-hmm. miss. You don't ever think that's beneath me now. That's a fun one, man. So your favorite '80s album would be Lincoln. Okay, so 90s. I'm a big John Henry fan. I love John Henry. I yeah. Uh, well, then you're gonna like the episode that I just recorded about "Out of Jail." And underappreciated, John. I love. Uh, basically, I'm a super fan. So good of the uh, drumming of Mr. Uh, not Brian Doherty. Brian Doherty. I was going to say Brian Hickey, but that's. Oh, he's great. Absolutely, man. He's Brian Doherty. But, <laughs> he's great. But but Brian Doherty uh, is a is a, a special drummer. I mean, I love I love Dan Hickey. I, I, I love Marty. But uh, Brian Dougherty is this diff- a certain style that appeals to me in a, a way that those other guys, you know, they're they're really good. It's just a a, a personal style preference that I like that style of drumming. Yeah, sure. I like that you pick up on that because as a drummer, I definitely think about these things. Bands that have been going for a long time that have had you know different bassists, different guitarists, different drummers, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of people, not that they take drummers for granted, like people know a good drummer when they hear it. They might be giants have had only good drummers, like they've never had a bad yeah. drummer, including their drum programming, the drum machines. They are good at that too. But the 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 three main human drummers, and John Feinberg was no slouch either on uh you know the. Apollo 18 tour and Otenabom played those brushes real nice on his one recorded track. But I'm glad you can tell the difference between that. Do you, what, I mean, what instruments do you play? You play something, right? I, what I play, play? Uh, a little bit of guitar. I'm not really okay. proficient, but I'm, but I'm, you're not I'm, a drummer. I'm not a drummer, not a drummer, but you can tell the difference between drummers. And I like that because I feel like I can only talk about this with a certain group of people who either are drummers or are really in tune with drummers. Like a lot of people who are in bands, like if they've had multiple people behind them, they know the difference between like this good drummer and this good drummer. And I think that's, I think that's Flansburg's. He yeah. is himself a genius at not playing the drums themselves, but at percussion yeah. and percussive idea. His ideas about percussion are very advanced mm-hmm. and very, mm-hmm. you know, you listen to all the drum tracking, the, the fake drums they did early on. That was very tasteful, yeah. very well-crafted drumming. And you very know? creative. Sometimes on some songs, not tasteful, but intentionally just like bizarre. Because yeah. there's a quote from somewhere. It's one of those things that's just like in my brain. I couldn't cite the original source, but where it's like, well, we didn't think we could ever have a human drummer because their brain would explode. Or something like that, where it's just like we had these songs like... Um, Shit, what's the uh the early the miscellaneous T the early B side where the drums are in five four but the song's in four four uh mm, 
I mean, that's, I mean, it's totally fucked up because you're just like, what, like, why are the fills in these places? And I don't think that's a song they've ever played live. I'm going to have to figure out what this is while we're talking, but they've never played it live. I would love to hear Marty drumming 5-4 while the rest of the guys are in 4-4 because it's just like every 20 measures we're on the right, (laughs) we're together, you know, (laughs) if you do it mathematically, but it's so fucked up. I think they were doing stuff like that. So they're like, what, what drummer can play this? Well, a good drummer can, but they did learn all about how drum parts work. And they would have some where like, okay, that sounds like something a human would come up with. And then some where it's like, that's just fucked up, but so cool. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to figure out which song this is. Now that I have everything. The mirror oh, yeah. on the wall won't talk to me at all. Now that I have everything, the place inside the brain just doesn't look the same. Now that I have everything, these fills are just in the weirdest yeah. spots. That's Flansbury all over. You know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, that's the first uh, the first Dawa song song according to Flansbury, right? Oh, wait. Let me look. Let me look at the trivia. The demo was recorded in 1983, possibly earlier. Later, dial-a-song reappearance of the song feature Flansburg saying it was the very first demo we made as a band. Did you just, like, read the wiki for cover to cover, or did you know that from some... Oh, it's oh, it's in the earlier years booklet. Or wait, no. It's actually, it's actually in the dial-a-song recording. He says, people ask us all the time, what's our very first demo? And then he'll... he'll and part of the narrative preceding the the tape on the on the answering machine so you so were were you calling dial a song like way back when it was like well the new i thing? mean i it was it was there was a, such a thing back in those days called long distance and you had to pay for those calls and so i but it's free I wasn't from calling from work <laughs> i wasn't calling from work that was the problem i only called it a couple of times and i, I didn't really catch what it was all about now i'm yeah. fanatic I'm, I'm digging up all this stuff that i haven't listened to ever in my life and some of my favorite songs now are things that are like cupid i love cupid and they had that uh, nine secret steps episode the other day with john and john and mike and they were just geeking out over i just love every bit of that because the dial a song is awesome because i have a section at the top of the spreadsheet this was something i inserted later after i painstakingly went through the wiki, when Ulysses told me that there was a section on the wiki, this was like a last year, he's like, there's a section where it's tagged, it's this page that has dial-a-song only tracks. So I have, and then I went through to make sure, like, okay, because I had stuff like, was it on Team BG Unlimited, was it this, was it that? These are tracks that, not only are they dial-a-song only, but they never even made it to like Team BG Unlimited or any sort of rarities thing. And Cupid's on there. But back to the topic at hand. So you got John Henry for the nineties, the year two thousand uh, to two thousand nine. What do you What do you got? The year three thousand. No. <laughs> What's your favorite track from the twenty nineties? Your favorite <laughs> album from <laughs> the Roaring Twenties? We're into the Roaring Twenties now. We're, in, we're, we're all we're all flappers now. We're all walking and dancing around the jitterbug. But we're modern flappers with our ripped jeans. <laughs> and flannels. <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would definitely think that cast your paw to the wind. I mean, I love the else, but uh, I, I think cast your paw to the wind is a. Uh, I just kept listening to that over and over and over again. I, I loved all those little 
songs. I, and I had not been listening to the podcast, their podcast at that time. And so I didn't know that all these were actually, you know, outtakes from the podcast. But uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was just so relaxed and it was so full of fun. And I, I just, didn't listen to their podcast at the time either. I still have not to this day listened to every episode of it. I need to now that because they were kind of off. I remember like when I found out about it, I go on my Apple podcast app. I'm like, there it is. None of these things work. I'm like, none of this, like it's all broken, but I think it's up again. So I should actually, cause I listen to podcasts in the car. I'm not going to go on the wiki and like click the little player there, the little MP3 and play it in a tab yeah. on Chrome, you know, but I think, I, I think, I think it's available at uh, museum of idiots. I think you can get the whole thing as a big zip file or multiple zip files or something. So. Right. But once again, I mean, I guess I could put it, my car does have a USB drive. Like I do have a thumb drive of sure. shit tons of MP3s of stuff. That's not streaming. I could put it on there and listen to them like that. Every, you know, we, we both come from the physical media era, but do you listen to stuff on streaming primarily now? Or are you primarily still a physicals guy? Mostly streaming now. Yeah. It's yeah. just easy. I want to listen to the podcast on my phone, but I guess yeah, Museum of Idiots is good. I could do that. I, you know, if it's not up on my phone, but I, f- I feel like maybe someone convinced them to like re, just like fix the files or whatever. Something had gone wrong. But anyway, I cast your project of the wind. I would agree that is amazing. I mean, I don't think personally, I don't think it's better than the else. But cast your project of the wind, solid choice. I will definitely back that because I. As the kids say, or as they used to say, I stand for Cast Your Pride of the Wind. It's so stupid. <laughs> what about, now we're to the most recent stuff. I mean, other than book, because that's its own thing. Obviously, that's the best of the 2020s, because that's the only one. Uh, what's your favorite of the 2010s, 2010 to 2019? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Uh, well, I definitely liked I Like Fun. It was full of solid stuff. I, uh, I don't know, though. I don't have, like, a, a complete catalog in my head on all my brain right now what do you need what, me to read them out to you yeah give me the give me the list real quick so i know i'm in the right boundary let's see here comes science was the last of that was 2009 okay so do we put album raises due and troubling questions in the mix i think we do if caster prods of the wind is a contender and a winner i like it i like a few things off of it but i mean i really love uh how now dark cloud is amazing Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then would be Join Us in 2011. Oh, great, great thing. Then, I mean, you've even got At Large, a solid live album in 2012. Nanobots, 2013. They had a couple compilations. And then Glean in 2015. And then also Why. And then Phone Power in 2016. I Like Fun in 2018. And, of course, My Murder Remains and then The Escape Team. What do you think? There's a lot to choose from for that decade. There's a lot more. That's a huge amount of stuff. Wow, it's hard to pick. Nanobots is great. Oh, yeah. My Murdered Remains, obviously, uh, just full of great stuff. But, but do you um, like that better than I Like Fun? If we're talking about 2018, do you like My Murdered Remains better than I Like Fun? I don't know. I've experienced it all at once, you know, so it's just kind of like all together in my mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on the Escape Team uh, fan club. I really, really like the Escape Team. I know a lot of people are not that into it, but I really love it. The people that um, like it, they're like, I mean, that's, that is the underdog of the the decade right because it was the third it was considered like even to the giants i think they're like this is the third tier album like (laughs) this is third place we're just doing this short like it's 28 minutes or whatever like it's so short 10 songs 28 minutes yeah cool collaboration with david coles 
super fun. Super fun songs. I'm doing Chip the Chip with Jordan D. White pretty soon. Who's but, doing John Postal? Okay, hold on. Where's the skip team? No, Jordan D. White signed up for Chip the Chip, but I've got Averin is signed up for John Postal. Oh, uh, well. That will be done at some point. I've only done Duncan, of course, of course, and Corrupted Lyle. In over three years, I've only done those two Escapes team songs. So, did you pick yet? What's your favorite, though? Quit stalling. <laughs> all right, all right. It's, I guess it's Nanobot. Correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, we should probably actually get to Robot. So, we adequately <laughs> filled up this episode more than enough. So, I think, you know, Robot has no demo. I mean, it almost sounds like it is a demo. Th- this would be my. That's that's one of my that's one of my thoughts about it. Actually, I was going to get to that. So why don't you make that pitch first? Robot Mayor on My Murdered Remains is what we're finally talking about, and it is track thirteen. On the roiling scenes in our red solo cup, rowing around the coral reef, thinking the whole thing up. So what, yeah, kick it off. I mean, this has, you know, it was during the Dial-A-Song period, mm-hmm. the, the revival of Dial-A-Song, but it's one of those things that sounds like, you know, it could have been the 1985 something that will appear on a Dial-A-Song tape. It just has, it has that yeah. that kind of hand-put-together quality. It's got, it's got all the samples on it. You can tell that, you know, Flansburg was, he had an idea, let's put it together, let's throw it up there. And then put the video on it, and he's like, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know. So he's, but he put it together. I, it doesn't, to me, the only thing that makes it not a full song, uh, in the sense of being completely 100% produced, uh-huh. is that it, it just is all samples, you know. But that, that's okay. And I think there's, there's actually a lot yeah. of songs they really release. Some modern songs are, are still uh-huh. very sample based. But it's, to me, it's a complete. Like Marnie's not on this yeah. track. Danny, no, no, no. I don't think either, Dan. It's I think this is all Flans. Now, there's no... I don't have the My Murder Remains CD in front of me, and I don't think it has like a track-by-track credits, but the wiki does not have a clickable credits thing, but I think this is all Flans. Do you think? Well, like, for, for instance, he has this statement he made about uh, Gudetama. Gudetama's seen busy days, right. you know. Mm-hmm. There was this... It's, it's on the wiki. Basically... He said he has a manifesto. He said it for himself. There will only be four tracks. I'm sorry, four instruments at a single time. There's four instruments mm. present present at any one moment. Okay. And, and this sounds like a fulfillment of that. He's yeah. uh, he's trying to, you know, like limit yourself to a certain set of tools so that you don't go crazy and come up with come up with a result. So it's it's very thought out. It's not like a just thrown together nothing, but it. I, I could see it showing up, you know, on a, you dial a song and what's this crazy noise, you know, yeah. that's, that's that kind of thing. You yeah. Know? So you're looking at, I clicked over to Gudutama's busy day, busy days to find this. Yes. Yeah, so it was on the Tumblr. So the question was that someone asked, I don't know, it doesn't credit the question asker, which I'm not a fan of, but it says, I love Gudutama's busy days so much. It makes me crazy. Any fun facts about writing slash recording it? Oh, Peaceful Void. Okay, I missed that. Peaceful Void was the Tumblr user. Team BG is single-handedly keeping Tumblr alive. Uh, so Flan says, and this, and this is just a, this is just a year ago. 
So this was not like when My Murdered Remains was new. It was already a couple years old. Flanswick says, thank you. I am personally quite into it myself. It has a lot of small production tricks, but it actually came out of a desire to record from a, quote, less than four instruments at a time, quote, manifesto that I tried to give myself. Like he said, so there is guitar, bass, drums, and voice, or keys, bass, drums, and voice, which leaves a lot of room for effects and textures to actually be heard. We already talked about reverb. Like, okay, he's using some echo and stuff in this, right? We'll get we'll get back to that. So then he also says, as for the topic, it is really just about feeling isolated from the world, even if you are in a crowded place and maniacally trying to keep up with your life. The character of Gudetama appealed to me because he is such a mopey, sad sack. He seemed to fit sad sack. So that's on the Gudetama's Busy Days trivia, but getting back over to Robo Mayer. Well, it just sounds like he's got the same concept. He's going he's gonna to stick to a, a handful of effects at one time and, and give it a lot of space, which is a big part of the, the reason the song is so yeah. unique. I mean, it's just a, a very wide open song, but that bass <laughs> is, is boom, boom, boom. There's, there's nothing in there. Like there's nothing in, they might be giants that matches that. It's, it's like a hip hop track. It's, it's very like sub sub bass. Yeah. What are the dirty drops? Yeah, they right. You got this, this low, low <laughs> bass frequency, like, you know, Danny Weinkoff, the bass I mean, I, player. I wanted to hear this on a top, top quality uh, sound system, you know, just really good subwoofer with a lot of punch. That's how you want to hear this I was song. listening to it in my car earlier. I was listening to it on my freaking thumb drive, the wave file. Probably put it to MP3 just so I could fit more on that thumb drive. Thousands of songs. 10,000 songs, probably. And it is low. Like, the frequencies, it is really getting to, like, sub-sub bass to, yeah, hip-hop stuff. Exactly. So, like, if we're talking... You know, I mean, we're talking in, in the EQ range. You got the highest shit, which is we're talking 10k for people that do production stuff. But the sub bass, like where the kick drum's going to be, is that all the way down at like 100. We're getting down below 100 in the hertz, right? No, we're where it's coming where from you're anymore. Feeling it's, it. It's just filling this whole space. Yeah, it's in your it's in your sternum. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, like was that South Park? I don't know who who first made up the brown note term, right? Like it's Mom, so low, in New York City, but you're gonna shit yourself. Like it, luckily, right I didn't shit myself listening to Robot Mayor. Exactly the same in every city, the whole world over. It's been just under twenty hours since everyone on Earth pooped their pants, and people still roam their damaged homes with disbelief and loss. Rick, you never know. Maybe if I listen to it on a, with a bigger subwoofer in my trunk, it's low. But but is, but isn't it? I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by Flansburg uh, making. He has made a lot of comments about hip hop and how he liked this or that out of hip hop. And, and going back even to the '80s and '90s, he was a fan of you know Public Enemy and and the Bomb Squad. You know all that time period when uh, they had the production on those kind of stuff. And he he admired that kind of thing. And this this sounds to me like he's kind of feeling his way into that. I can imagine him up on stage with gold chains and, you know, he's... (laughs) I think you're onto something there. It's like him dipping his toe into, like, these rap production techniques. And I was actually just, like, on a big hip-hop kick. Outkast, my favorite rap group, I was listening to a ton of theirs. They use... So there's a production trick I've used that I picked up from hip-hop. I don't use it in every song, obviously. It wouldn't make sense. But they take a Moog or, like, a vintage analog synthesizer and do a bass line with that and double it with a bass guitar. And what that does 
And he, okay. he doesn't do that in this song, but he should do that in a song because it's so cool. Because you get like the little bit of a clang and the percussive nature of either finger picking a bass or picking it, you know, with a pick, and you get that that rhythm. But even a bass guitar, like even with a big amp, like you're getting real low tones, but you're not necessarily getting that sub bass unless you're really cranking up that that EQ range and maybe in post production. So what they do is you got the low end with a bass guitar, but then you got the really low end. With a Moog, that yeah, you're not getting the over overtones yeah. and and resonances that you would get from a, a real right, bass. Like unnaturally low tones, because that's what hip hop really honed into is just these, just yeah, like the trunk rattling frequencies. On uh, Robot Mayor, it just stands yeah. out. It just grabs you. It's not, it's not ignorable, and especially if if, if you are, you know, no. I don't think if there's any. They might be giant analog to it. I mean, like Ampersand has a wonderful, yeah. Gr- yeah. great, great bass part and good to be alive but it's not this kind of thing it's not a hip-hop style how this thinking back to the debut boat of car i wouldn't say there's many hip-hop elements in it but that synth like anima's package we did this cover of it that i mean it's got that weird they might be giants but i took my boat for a car i like that tone right there that's like harnessing that dirty just like low synth it's just one note and i did that on my juno 60 i did it with an analog synth i'm like i gotta harness that 80s tone it's a 1982 keyboard and i was like yes and adam's like turn it up in the mix it's not loud enough and that's what robo mayor it's like that synth he could have adhered to his four instrument rule and still had danny like if he put danny on it to double that so get like danny's bass Dun, 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 but then boom, boom, boom with that synth together. Ooh, yeah. that would have been the icing on the cake. But I think that Flansburg did all this, even though there's keys on it. Flansburg knows how to dink around on the keys. He can program like that's probably a MIDI keyboard, which is fine. This is the way he writes. He writes yeah. digitally. He's talked about this. They've kept up with technology, so it's like like the keyboard is not is not even played. It's it's actually programmed yeah. because there's a there's a plucking of a banjo that yeah. goes along uh-huh. with the piano and, and they're exactly 100% on top of each other. So it's all, it's all laid out on a, you know, on a, on a track. It's not, it's not plucked yeah, or anything. It's, it's definitely so. MIDI. I mean, so you you play some guitar, but have you ever screwed around with like, I mean, I got my MIDI keyboard right here. Have you ever like screwed around on garage band or anything like that? No, so, no. But I used to I used to fool around with MIDI on a on a on a little music program in a computer a long time ago. I was used it to try to transcribe things. No, it was the that was too expensive for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Do you remember? No, I don't. In fact, I lost it because of my hard drive crashed. But I I wish I could find it because I had transcribed all these fun songs and anyway. It, but it was a it was a lot of fun to play with. Uh, you know, joining up the instruments and making the chorus with different things. It was So it was a blast. you know about what, so I'm not sure what year you're talking, but were you looking at little rectangles and dragging rectangles around? Or was it more like notation? It might, it, I think it was more like notation. It was more. Note. And that, those use MIDI for playback and stuff too, like MIDI technology. Like people think about it, like you're playing a keyboard. Like I just held on my keyboard. Yeah, I mean, but, was, I was saving it. So all the, all the files were dot MID. Yes. So like when Kai Pfeiffer and I like collaborate on something or Avery and I collaborate on something, 
and they do keyboards. I say, send me the wave file, meaning like the actual sound, the tone that they recorded, but also send me the MIDI file. And it's the same take, but one looks like the waveforms, the sound waves, whatever you want to call them, um, the digital capturing of the sound waves uh, that I'm looking right now as I record my own voice. And then also these little rectangles, which I don't know how much I've explained this in 180 whatever episodes. Um, but MIDI is a really fun thing to play with. And it's cool to know that the Johns have harnessed that because even though they went decades recording to tape, I mean, who know, I don't know what first their first album, their first album record digitally was. It might have been Factory Showroom because that was like kind of the in-between era. I mean, Minkar was... I would say most definitely recorded digitally and Long Tall Weekend. Who knows with that album? It's the mysterious like stepchild. <laughs> I think in a lot of those, a lot of those, I mean, they actually will bring in regular, you know, they bring in the band and play along uh, or replace those pieces with the band playing, uh, you know, because they're putting together demos and then they say, okay, now this is what we want it to sound like. We want a fuller sound. We want to bring in put good production and, and real drums, but but this is a template. But in this in this song, it's like it's more like the Erector set. You piece, piecing the pieces together. You know, it's not even intended to make a, full, a band. You're not going to bring in Danny or, or or Marty to play these drum pieces. This is not intended for that. This is this is a, its own little thing, and it 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 works in that way. So I think. okay, so back I don't think to it like twenty do. minutes ago, maybe even more. We're like, okay, I said like I think this feels like it is the demo. Now. How Flansburg defines it, I don't think he'd define it as a demo. Or at least not now, because it's on an album, right? It got released. But on yeah. a CD vinyl, it's you know, it's a real they might be giants track. It's got a page on the wiki, right? It's on an album. Yeah. But it may have started because their writing process for these dial-a-song years has gotta just be insane right the couple years prior to 2015 the couple years prior to 2018 the amount of songs being written by these two is just mind-blowing right so this song could have been written you know along the same time as gudatama that's pretty obvious he also mentions mccafferty's bib in that quote flansburg programmed the rhythm track that became the foundation of mccafferty's bib drums, percussion, and the ring-modulated triangle synth sound. I talked about ring modulation with Chris Connaughton on If Day for Winnipeg. So he was already using that in 2018. And using some of the same sounds we worked with on Robot Mayor. So this makes it seem like Robot Mayor came first. It could have been only a week before. It could have been two months before. Who the fuck knows? They all came out in 2018. But don't you think that? Don't you think that little that little tingling sound at the very beginning is the ring modulated synth? That little yeah, I mean echo echo element. That's the piece they talking about, right? right? He said on I think it was a Linnell. Yeah, it was a Linnell podcast clip I played where it's like this isn't a very useful plugin or whatever. Like this plugin is totally bizarre. But it's fun, and I'm going to try it out. So he tried it out on McCafferty's bib. He tried it out on this. He tried it out on If Day. You know, over the past, like, four years, Flans is really into this ring modulator all of a sudden. He's found ways to make it to make it sound different in each context. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, really... it's an effect, right? It's like, like, you wouldn't yeah. say, like, oh, you'd only use delay on this one song. No, I mean, shoegaze bands would prove. Cocktail Twins would prove. You can use reverb and delay on every song. Ring modulator on every song, 
that would be definitely an avant-garde kind of band. You know, I don't know what kind of band would do that on every song, but he's used it on at least three songs here that we know of now. And it sounds like the timeline. He has not exhausted no. his, uh, his, what he wants to get out it's of it. It's fun. Like he's so. using these digital plugins. And what's fun about them as opposed to analog is that you can just turn them off. Like if you're like, ah, I don't like how that came out. And I actually sent Chris Connaughton a track that I was doing this band called Blends, who I am finishing mastering their EP that they recorded with me in 2021. We're finally getting it done. They're going to be putting it out. So look for it on Spotify. Blends, they already have one EP on Spotify and everywhere else that I recorded. This is their second EP. There was a song where he's like, I want the vocals to be a little grittier. And this was just after because I was doing the mixes, this was just after we recorded If Day. And I'm like, well, okay. So I'm thinking, I didn't pitch it to him. I'm like, let me just try out a ring modulator because it will distort. It will distort. And I can send this to you too. It will distort the raw file, the, the, the raw track of vocals. In this case, I was using it on vocals. And beneath all the like distorted guitar, and he's like already screaming, my friend Matthew, he's screaming the vocals, and I put this ring modulator on it, so it's like it's like digitally like grinding the sound of his voice up, and it, it does have a little bit of like oh, 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 like a weird spinning to it, a ring modulator. It's modulating. <laughs> it sounds like it's going in a circle, but underneath everything, it just sounded like this bizarre distortion pedal that was just kind of like flipping around, and he was like, whoa, he's like what's going on there? and i'm like yeah i use this thing called a ring modulator i learned about it from they might be giants i mean i knew they existed but i never bothered with it right <laughs> he talks about it. it's a very it's a specialty yep. plugin like you wouldn't it's for a weird effects and that is very true so i used it on these vocals i ended up having to turn it down a little bit because he's like that sounds really cool but maybe back it off a little bit right so i backed it off a little bit the ring modulator is on this track by blends that will be available pretty soon i can send it to you you know tonight tomorrow and it was super fun to play with with chris so i'm like i'm gonna use it flans same deal he's like he's like okay i used it for robo mayor it sounds like robo mayor he used it for first because he says the foundation of mccavity's bib using some of the same sounds we worked on with robo mayor so robo mayor sounds like it came first and then mccavity's bib you know yeah. that became an i like fun track that came out first you know 11 months before Sounds like they were they were written right around the same time and probably Gudetama. Like it was maybe this like month long thing where him and Linnell were like, "Here's some crazy shit," <laughs> you know. And you know, I mean, Gudetama not as not as crazy, but like Rowboat and McCafferty's Bib, those are both some weird songs. Like in the best they might be giants way, right? I mean, yeah. Rowboat Mayor, that oh, yeah, triangle thing is amazing, and the banjo and all that. Yeah, like it's a banjo sample. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, there's all kinds of pieces to it that, and maybe it's one of these Frankenstein things that he's going to say, okay, I'm, this is my experimental thing, and the, the goal we were working toward was, you know, McCafferty's bib after all, but but I still like this in its own right. It's, it's perfectly... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were talking earlier about his sense of rhythm and syncopation, and you listen to the chorus on Robot Mayor, it's a very herky-jerky thing with a syncopation to it that... He's used that kind of syncopation before, like in um, Absolutely Bill's Mood, the chorus of that has that kind of herky-jerky underneath the uh, the, vo- the vocal line is a, is a different a rhythm than, the, uh, than the, the instrument underneath it. And also uh, How Now Dark Cloud has that same 
you know, he's he's putting together two different things that just blend really well when you when you get together. Yeah, like those that. jerky syncopated rhythms, like I, it's been in Flans the whole time that They Might Be Giants has existed, and I think it has some, would have something to do with like not necessarily like the first wave punk stuff that he listened to, but the post punk stuff, like because like even. You mentioned PIL, P-I-L, Public Image Limited, however you want to pronounce them. I've heard it all three ways. Dancy, kind of, you know, still punk, still lots of times snarled political messages. Trees, do you like the taste of money? Isn't it best without the bees? Be careful what you're doing. You're messing up my life. And if all this was a cake, then you took too big a slice. But more kind of herky-jerky. I mean, you get into talking heads. You know, you'd consider they were a part of the CBGB's punk scene. But it was like funky, I guess you would call it. You know, (laughs) I mean, but like raw, you know, weird. I mean, this is stuff that Flans, I'm sure, I've never heard him mention Talking Heads in an interview, but I'm sure he has. And if not, I'm sure he listened to them. I mean, there's no way he didn't. He has, definitely. No, he, he, he mentioned them in interviews many okay. times. He, he really loved so them. I mean, your memory's a lot better than mine. I have to just, like, remind myself constantly for something to stick. But you're more of an OG fan than I. You know, you, you had a couple, <laughs> you, you heard him, you know, five years before I did or something, right? The, I mean, the stuff he must have been listening to, like Joy Division and then into, you know, New Order, Gang of Four. I mean, all of these like dancey kind of punk inspired things like they fit right in with that. And I've made this argument before. They are a if not a punk band, they are post punk influenced in that like post punk and new wave. They got the keyboard stuff and new wave. They got kind of like the quirky lyrics or whatever you want to say like kind of a talking heads type lyrical band where it's smart weird people are like psycho killer what the what are the what are these guys talking about who are these freaks right they come right from that lineage like there's no doubt about it that that kind of stuff was influencing especially flans's guitar playing and the rhythmic stuff that he was doing on his guitars straight out of that playbook and then twisted in their own little they might be giants just like grinder, right? So, and that goes all the way to the modern day. And this song is only four years old, right? And I must, I, I definitely have to give props to Mister Me eighty three as the person who asked about that on Tumblr, which it didn't say in the in the the trivia on the page. But the the full question was: Can you think of a time when one of your songs inspired the other John to write something similar, or vice versa? It's a good question. They say, for example, recently Robo Mayer and McCafferty's Bib both share a similar low-key vibe and are about unusual topics. It caught my attention and caused me to wonder if one influenced the other. Great question. Great observation here. So then Flans says, there's a direct collaboration going on that might be in evidence as well. I programmed the rhythm track that became the foundation of McCafferty's Bib. Like I said before, the ring modulated triangle synth. So he's talking about like a triangle oscillator for the synth, which he's saying it sounds like a triangle, but he's talking about like the the waveform or the oscillator shape. Yeah. It's a whole bunch more like technical stuff that... Computer mumbo jumbo. Yeah, I mean, analog synth mumbo jumbo, really, but he's using MIDI 
but they're they're synth emulators. Like he, you know, he's looking at it as if it were one of their '80s synths that they had back in the apartment when they were practicing, right? But they're looking at yeah. it on a screen now, right? He's he's got a keyboard, maybe, or he's just like dropping, you know, clicking and dropping rectangles. But he's twisting knobs virtually, digitally, right, to get these synth sounds, and then putting a ring ring modulator on them to come up with this weird stuff, like the little tinkling stuff in McCafferty's bib, and this, this Mr. Me, whoever that is, there's a chance we know them, right? That's an excellent observation, and super cool to know that the Johns do bounce shit off of each other, and If Day was a perfect example of that, where... You know, Chris and I talked about, you know, we'd found out that Linnell was like, oh, here's some like drum things and here's some ideas and some little bass lines and whatever. And Flans was like, that bit's cool. And then he just spins it off into a whole song that's totally unique and interesting. Like, If yeah. Day is my favorite Flans song. Uh, you know, I said that in the episode, it dawned on me. I'm like, this is the best Flans song on the record. And it's a weird one, like Robot Mayor. I love it when he when he does like a, you know, like a 60s style thing. Like, what's the one that they had made, they made the video for? Oh, the live performance. Yeah, Moonbeam Race. Yeah, that that that's a beautiful thing, and I love it. But it's not it's not the weird kind of stuff like this is. You know, I I, I appreciate all of it, but this weird stuff is, uh, you know, what the when you go back to the the Pink album, Lincoln, and uh, you know all the stuff from Dallas song. There's just a Let's let's throw the rule book out and try something. Let's just keep trying, trying, trying. And here, this is a, this to me is just like a throwback to, to that time yeah. and that kind of attitude, you know. And if if day also, you yeah. Know, and so. it's that kind of thing where like this has come up before. Where like I love the pop Linnell, the pop genius of Linnell. It's just like I'm a sucker for it. And clearly, so many people are because if you look at the rankings on the wiki, it's like all Linnell. And yeah, he writes the pop hits for the band. He can get weird too. There's plenty of evidence of that. Linnell can get weird with the best of them. But Flans, like, he's the one that's been keeping up the weirdness the most in recent years. Would you agree with that? I don't know if I would divide it that much. I mean, I, Fair you enough. know, I think the thing about Linnell's songs and his, his music is he is so invested in the melody, mm. the harmony, and the rhythm of it and I think the rhythm is something that is not appreciated very much, but the pace at which a melody has to move and, and change to, to grab you so much, like uh, drown the clown. I mean, that's a, that's a rhythmic masterpiece. I mean, you just listen to that and you're just like, Oh my goodness, how did you decide that that would make that melody I work? Know, and people dismiss that song out of hand. They're like, like that was one of my favorites from the jump. And it was Zinnia's favorite. Because it just sounds so playful. <laughs> it sounds like a rinky-dink little twee, new wave, synthy thing. Like, it's yeah. almost like a little bit wimpy, but like in the coolest way. But people are just like, blah, drown the climb, blah, one of the worst songs. I broke my own rule, blah, one of the worst songs. They're not paying attention to the intricacies of these. They're like, oh, my oh I broke my own rule. It's so simple. It's just going in scale-wise motion. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, not but, quite. And I went that's a different world there. That that one's a that was a piece of architecture. That one is that was really architecture. That's a word that I should use <laughs> in that episode because it is literally building and building and building. Yep, let's come back down the stairs, building and building, and then whoop! Oh, I tripped over this one stair. Like there's shit going on there. 
that people are just like, that's ah, another Linnell pop song. And those are like the Flansburg people that really love Flansburg, which is all of us, right? Or else we wouldn't listen to the band. It's 50% of the songs. But I think people like get defensive about it a little bit. They're like, well, Flansburg is the best, John. It's like, we don't have to do that, right? But they they see the stuff like the wiki and they're like, well, you're all just suckers for Linnell's. It's just another pop song. And I've heard this so many times about Book. And I would say Book is almost pretty well divided. Pop songs and weird songs, Linnell and Flans. But not exactly. But most of their albums are not that much down the line. I think something I'm going to blame COVID, right? They wrote two separately or something. Well, you can't get, you can't get weirder than singing the singing a whole album or EP in Latin. I mean, come right. on. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a different kind of weird. Cause it was like, it's still poppy as hell. I like when they announced that I'm like, uh, I don't think I'm going to really be into this wrong. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> and he had almost a hip hop inspired track on that. Right. Contain me a Missy. Contain us. Yeah. Mania Amici, you know the one I'm talking about, the, the last um, track, right? Yeah, Um Brilliant. So the two Johns both have the weird, they both have the pop. It just seems like, to me, you're right, it's not as cut and dry as, as I originally said, so I'll just like retract that a little bit, but it seems like with like My Murdered Remains, the stuff where it's like, oh, these are kind of like B-sides, but they're going to come out on an album, we're going to call it an album. They both go really weird. Linnell with dog, flans, like, but they're playing with things that I kind of wish made it more onto like proper albums. Cause, you know, we both call My Murdered Remains an album. They call it an album. But like, Book uh, doesn't have the McCafferty's bib. Like, the song I like fun or the song McCafferty's bib. Those are as weird as you're going to find on anything that they've ever done. And they're on the on the premiere album of 2018 and it's and it's beautiful it's another great piece of the color that makes it work so I, yeah I it. yeah and like book i think could use a little more weirdness and i feel like flans is the one that's really like picking up the slack for linnell on that one but like you said drown the clown <laughs> like yeah those rhythms like and then like something about it seems simple but it isn't right and I haven't done that episode no. yet. I'm trying to convince Kara to be my guest for that because she hasn't been on a, like her own episode with me in years, literally years. But we're here talking about a Flan song, and I, I do think he wrote this Robot Mayor like completely independent of Linnell as far as like the songwriting. But he's definitely taking ideas, like they're getting vibes, vibe reports right off each other, you know. For for well, everything. I think he would I think he would definitely pass it in front of Linnell, but I don't detect anything from Linnell in the song. Right, because the keyboard parts are not like anything he complex. He may have just been dro- you know dragging and dropping things, plunking that on a MIDI keyboard, and then quantizing it, which basically like locks in the rhythm. Like you're saying, stuff completely overlaid. He may have even copied and pasted the MIDI rectangles and made another track that sounded like the banjo or whatever, right? So he's laying these things mechanically, computerized directly on top of each other to make it sound so precise, like more precise than their 80s stuff because that was all, like they had drum machine, but they were playing it, they were playing it with their hands, no computers, but it's still that same ethos, right? That same aesthetic of weirdness, just like we're going to, 
fuck around and see what happens. And that's what is brilliant about this song. And I'm so glad you picked it because, like, My Murdered Remains, I've been listening to it a ton because I've got Unctuous Robot coming up. I've got all these weird songs on the docket here, old and new. And it's been a lot of fun talking about the the weird stuff a lot. And you know, and you have this memory for all these things the Johns have said. I'm interested to see what else you got on your notes. If if we're talking about, you got anything in your notes there that I might have forgotten or, or missed a podcast appearance they did on some show? What about the lyrics to this song? Because we've been talking pretty much primarily about the musical yeah. elements. What about the lyrics to this song? I don't think I've heard anybody discuss the lyrics like I, I, I mean no uh, i don't think i've heard john flansberg discuss the lyrics and have any comment like nobody's asked a question as far as i know i ask a question like what do you think this means yeah but well what do you th- what do you think this means one of the reasons that it puts it over the top for me i mean i love the music i love the total sonic package you're getting with this thing and all the the bass and all this fascinating sampling he's doing with the you know orchestra hits and the cello and violin and banjo it just really musically grabbed me but the lyrics are like we're, we're going to elevate this to a, a new level and it was to me i saw like for instance the red solo cup yeah <laughs> okay so the red solo cup is directly from you know that that sort of blue collar vibe from Toby Keith wrote that. Had, yeah. no, he didn't write the song, but it was that song, Red Solo Cup, and it's all about. Props to the Nashville songwriters. None of those country guys write that song. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say none. Red Solo Cup. You're not just a cup. No, 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 no. God, no. You're my, you're friend? my friend. Friend, 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 yeah. lifelong. Thank you for being my friend. Red Solo Cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. But yeah, the red solo cup, like yeah, like middle America working class. I love my, uh, you know, my manufactured home. I, I love my, I love my <laughs> friends in low places. You yeah, know, it's yeah, all yeah. about having a party. And, oh, you're a Texas dude. You know, cursing, yeah. cursing the man, or whatever, <laughs> your boss, or whatever. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the red solo cup. Yeah, or like frat party. Like it could go either way. Uh, Europeans have red cup parties. I think is what they call them. I don't know if it's mocking Americans or just trying to tune into like that American kegger culture or something like that's a thing like red solo cup parties. It'd be like, yeah. we got the American like, cause that's just such like, well, it's seen in movies too, right here. You pay for your cup at the door yeah. and you can refill it at the keg as much as you want. Well, the Toby Keith song came out in 2011 and this song is obviously released much later. I don't know if how soon it was, you know, either before or after Toby Keith, but I think, I think that he probably had that in mind. Flansburg would have that in mind because it was the prominent cultural reference, if you will sure. say. Yeah. I, I'm, think, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What he's communicating is blue collar, you know, working class louts who just you know want to you know. And so I think, and also the idea of being snarky toward the mayor, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the, the, the whole the whole thing is the way he says, you know. The way he says the the phrase about the royal mayor, yeah. it's like she thinks she's such a princess. You know, he thinks he's such a royal mayor. You know, it's just it's all snarky and all you're, you're, the mayor. Yeah, the mayor, Lator yeah, and thinks, mayor potato. <laughs> yeah, I mean the and potato is another like a yeah. blue collar, you know, 
the Kentucky, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Yeah, but, Utah, right? Or uh, I mean, uh, Idaho, right? <laughs> Idaho, small potatoes, right? And just that saying like, ah, that's small potatoes on a steady diet of small potatoes. Like there's so many things packed into that one line to skip ahead, just like a couple lines on a steady diet of yeah. small potatoes, like a couple like idioms or adages, whatever, like being smashed together, right? Like on a steady diet. Like there's a Fugazi on called on a, a steady diet of nothing. And there's like a steady diet of this. Like there's many ways you could kind of describe something saying, oh, they're on a steady diet of this. And, oh, that's small potatoes. Like, like that's nothing. Like that's, that's nothing. Yeah. Right. He's a rowboat mayor on a steady diet of small potatoes. I guess what I would make of that is that like, again, it's dismissive of whoever this person is. Right. He thinks he's such a rowboat mayor. But he's like, that's nothing. Small, you know, he's on a steady diet of small potatoes. Like, this guy ain't shit. Like, basically, I think is what he's saying, right? I mean, am I off base there? There's so much going on there. That's where I, I think it's coming from yeah. is you've got, like, the nautical council would be the, the guys who he wants to be mayor over. And they say, no, 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 no. You're not going to be the mayor over us. <laughs> we're going to have a deposition and we're going to put you back in your place. And uh, yeah. but then a fight breaks yeah. up. Yeah, you know, that, right. That, a fight. We're going to fight. You know about that, and so the robot mayor <laughs> is trying to set himself up as something or other. And he, everyone says, "Yeah, you think you're so special." You know, yeah. we're going to put you back in you your know, place. It you know, just whatever. occurred to me, like, what kind of band? Only a band with this many songs. Could there be two songwriters who've written hundreds of songs where you got the captain, and then seven or eight years later, <laughs> you got robot mayor, right? You might say, you know, you, you can't call the captain unless you drive a boat, <laughs> right? And then you yeah. got this guy, he thinks he's a rowboat mayor, but he's not one now, and he's not one later. <laughs> like, that just occurred to me, like, the captain being about a guy who's like, I'm the captain. And people are like, no, you're, you're fucking not. Like, what are you talking about? You can't drive a boat. Like, drive a boat. <laughs> you can't sail a boat. Like, drive a boat. I don't know. That always got me. And I'm sure that's intentional. By like, drive a boat. You can't be a captain unless you drive a boat. He's like, hey, I got the hat. And then this guy, he's like, he he thinks he's a rowboat mayor, whatever the fuck that means. I mean, that's just a bizarre, like, whatever. But he's like a drunk or something. The red solo cup thing. Like, there's so... I can't dig through... The, the language in this song is just so bizarre, but like he thinks he's a rowboat mayor on a steady diet of small potatoes. Like this guy and shit, like he's not the captain. Like I, are these the same person? One's written by Linnell, one's written by Flans. Like the captain from the captain <laughs> and then the rowboat mayor. Neither of them are really a sailor. I don't Part of the fun is, you know, there's this pack of cigarettes concept. Right. And I showed this to my wife. I said, I, my wife, Marla, I said, I want you to look at this. I went, and I sat her down, played her the song, I showed her the video. I said, I want you to look at this and tell me what you think about this. And as soon as she, as soon as she saw that pack of cigarettes, she said, he's in jail. Uh, the guy's in jail. The narrator is in jail. He's trying to trade something for a pack of cigarettes, yeah. you know, for a pack of cigarettes. I'll, I'll tell you later. Okay. So who? Shit. So yeah. I, the way I, the way I kind of piece it together, I think that the guy telling the story is one of the is one of the nautical commission. Yeah. He's not the robot mayor. He's talking about <laughs> the nautical the robot mayor, uh -huh. like why he's in prison and what happened in the fight. They had a fighting atop the ocean waves in our red solo cup, <laughs> and the gold doubloons get lost. 
it's just like, oh, something criminal happened, and this guy's in prison now yeah. because of it. But and he's not—he's not, not going to tell you exactly yeah. everything he knows because he says, "I'm a, a pack of cigarettes. I, I'm not going to say everything." It, there was never such a thing. I'm not going to go there. No, there was never such a thing. You, you forget everything you've heard about this robot mayor. But for a pack of cigarettes, right? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's genius. Now, did you know? Now, it's from context. You know, our gold doubloons lost in the spray. Coins, right? But did you know exactly what a doubloon was? Because I just looked it up. I never looked it up, but I mean, I, it makes me think of, I mean, the, the the imagery of the song is all about this, the ocean and rolling around the roiling sea. So I'm thinking, you know, like pirates and, and mutiny against the robot mayor and, you know, walking the plank and all this stuff. It, the gold doubloon, so, you know, so. Wikipedia, all right, doubloon, I just looking it up right now, the doubloon from the Spanish doublon or double. It was a two escudo gold coin worth approximately four dollars for Spanish dollars or thirty-two rails, and it has the specific weight in grams. It's twenty-two karat gold, so this is a very specific kind of coin. And when you're thinking about like pirates in the movies, like there's pirates of the Caribbean, but like if you're thinking about pirates, European pirates, right? Spain is there's water all around Spain, right? I mean, it's not an island. It's a peninsula. You know, Spanish pirates, right? A doubloon. You know, even though we're talking about this red solo cup, this is obviously some dumb American, right? The red solo cup thing. It's obviously about an American. But the doubloons, like, it adds this, like, classy element to it where it's like, it's talking about pirates. But he says our gold doubloons. He doesn't just say, like, our gold coins. Like, Flans, again, teaching me new words, making me go to the encyclopedia to look up what a doubloon is. Like, it's just the, the, the genius of Flans. Like, Linnell has his own <laughs> genius in his lyrics, mostly about different ways to describe depression and anxiety, but <laughs> we love him. We're getting maimed, <laughs> right? You're dying skulls and all this. But, but Flans, like, he's always coming up. He's like, what word have I never used in a song before? Instead of saying gold coins, doubloons. Like, he probably already knew it. He probably wasn't like, oh, what's a word for coins? What's a kind of coin? He's a smart guy. Well, I mean, if you think about, you know, fighting, fighting on the, on the high ocean sea, you know, fighting each other, I mean, it just calls to mind, you know, you know, sword play yeah, on a boat and you have to make somebody walk the plank and, you know, I don't know. But I'm, but I'll give you these cigarettes. <laughs> I don't want to walk the plank. Here's some cigarettes. Um, there was never <laughs> such thing as a robot mayor. Yeah. And the thing that the whole song wraps up with essentially... <laughs> Like that that movie cliche that where it's like the person wakes up at the end. It was all a dream. <laughs> you know the whole story never <laughs> happened, right? There was never such thing as the robot mayor. But for pack of cigarettes, what you've or, heard. or was there right for yeah. pack of cigarettes? I'll tell you later. That's yeah. This song is man. I guess going all the way with that. Yeah, I, I believe that the robot mayor. That these this nautical commission and these guys who worked with the robot mayor and he thought he was so bossy he thought he was such a hot snot but they didn't they didn't, swear yeah they didn't agree and so they have a fight and uh, I think the robot mayor ends up dying as a result of the fight because that's why he's in prison I would think that's why he's in prison yeah they they killed yeah, him okay 
And now they're in prison. Oh, I'm not going to tell you everything because that might give me a th- three more years if I come out and tell you. Right. I don't want to snitch. Yeah, there. Yeah, Johnny Tightlips. Right. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. Right. There was never such thing as a robot. No, no snitching. No, no snitching. We're back no to hip snitching. No snitching. Unless you know, pack of cigarettes, maybe a whole carton. If you want to hear about the robo mayor, the full story. Yeah. Right. You're really going to have to pay for it, right? Because I'll be putting myself at risk. The, yeah, it's, man, this song is one of those where, and this has happened so many times on the podcast, where, you know, a song like Where Your Eyes Don't Go, I could talk about that all day long. You know, I might have to look up like a fact or whatever about it, but like, I could just go on and on about that song, no problem. Because I've heard it a bajillion times, right? And I still love it. This song, I have not heard a bajillion times. This song, I've probably, you know, My Murder Remains, not on streaming. I've played it on the CD. You know, I've listened to it on CD a bunch when it came out. And then it kind of went on the shelf. This is a song that would have benefited from being on, like, one of my Spotify playlists. Like, it's on my thumb drive in the car on the USB that I got to queue up and, like, go through the menu with the dial on my Mazda 3 or throw on the CD. I feel like I haven't appreciated this song fully and you picking it, it's just one of these songs where my guest picking a song where I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to that song in a minute. And, you know, you put it on the spreadsheet whenever the person picks the song, I might go and listen to it. I'm like, oh, yeah. But then I don't really like listen to it like 20 times in a row until like the week before the episode. And then I'm like, shit, this song is so good. Why have I not been listening to this like a couple times a week for the past five years? Like since it came out it's so good four years i guess i you know i don't do math i don't teach math uh so i mean should we like i feel like i want to score it right now and give it like an 11 but it's not that high but i think we need to do the covers section first you got anything else i wanted to mention the video at least the video is i mean obviously the video is just a simple tiny little boat with a fake little rowboat in it, a little row, um, not rowboat, but a fake little uh, oar in it. But uh, it's got these little uh, snippets of the song lyrics that highlight every now and then. Mm-hmm. You see the word, the word thinking and the word solo cup, you know, and only rowing and not one later. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, pack of cigarettes is my, the climax. I think of that as the climax of the song, the pack of cigarettes. Yeah, it's is the last uh, line. The big thing. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, it's the twist at the end. Yeah. The, he yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Exactly. Wait, you got me now again. You find out. <laughs> <laughs> I see dead people. Yeah. <laughs> I see a pack of cigarettes. I Damn it, Shyamalan. I told you, <laughs> you got me in Sixth Sense, but you're not going to get me in this one. Why is this happening? It's the plants. 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 What if it is the plants? think it could be plants but damn it he got me again yeah he (laughs) painted himself into a corner with all those twists and he had to kind of stop a little bit for a minute so should that segue into how this t-shirt came to be (laughs) that you're wearing well i mean i just i just love the song so much and i said they're never going to make a stinking t-shirt for they make a a t-shirt for the big songs that have the, the the big following but i mean this is I mean, I, I tried making a couple of other T-shirts. I tried making a T-shirt for Hey Everybody, but they, uh, the, the T-shirt company rejected it because it had a Frankenberry lo- a logo, <laughs> the, the actual character. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you can't just <laughs> press up some brands like mascots. No, no, no. 
<laughs> General Mills would have sued them. Apparently, I invented so. that specific but, leprechaun. Didn't you know that? Me Lucky Charms, exactly. like that. It's like the Austin Powers bit. <laughs> They're always after Me Lucky Charms. What are you talking about? I invented that. Yeah. I'll put it on a T-shirt all day. I mean, so, uh, are you doing that through like that, like single press? Like, there's one. There's only one of that T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But that's so cool. Yeah, I, there's only one. I, that's I, awesome. Though. I've never had a guest wear a T-shirt of the song that we were talking about. You just one up. You know, Stanley here, guys, is throwing down the gauntlet because. Well, you, I mean, it was just a favorite. I wasn't doing it for the podcast. I love. I, I got it years um, ago, right? I got it October 2020, and and then uh, yeah, you got a hold of me in January 2021. So yeah, I mean, I was I was already sold, yeah. you know, away big time. <laughs> and then a year later, you're wearing it for me to see on the show. This, I oh yeah, big time. So let's see what episodes do I have coming up? Because I think I'm going to require if you want to be on the show, you got to make a custom T-shirt. <laughs> You're going to have to have like t-shirts for 900 songs. Every song will have its own t-shirt. <laughs> People will start showing up to oh, gigs no, and everyone's got like the set list. Somebody, everyone's wearing a song from the set list. These songs need their own they t-shirt. I mean, every song, not every song, but some of these songs are just so important. I want to wear your Eyes Don't Ghost t-shirt. With the grinning scarecrow oh, or something. Filthy scarecrow with a yeah, waves his broomstick arm shirt. Sure, yeah, yeah, they're doing those all over print shirts now where it's just like the cover art. But what if it was a green scarecrow and the arms, it was a long sleeve tee and the arms went down your arms and you could be the scarecrow. <laughs> I was just going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, got? The entry in book okay. here oh, for, yeah. for Robo Mayor. It's got the Robo Mayor lyrics all jumbled up like they're everything's getting lost in the spray and the ocean. Yeah. I think that's the idea behind that typography. And it's got a picture of the, uh, the dock with all the junk there on the dock uh-huh. floating in the, in the water. So it's a, are those canes, the nautical commission there, uh, bottles, water bottles. I, I, I can't tell. What There's they no are. red solo cups. though, are they? No, no red solo cups. <laughs> Looks like cans and bottles. Yeah. This typical, you know, Brian Carlos and junk, uh-huh. just junk everywhere in New York city. It was know? fun doing that, that, patreon episode talking about the photography and stuff because i'm i can appreciate photography but i'm i cannot talk about it technically like i can music but yeah that's that's cool that it's one of those non-book non-pamphlet ep songs that got a picture got the typography treatment and i like the idea that plans has a personal you know love for the song enough to go ahead and give it that in the book yeah, yeah. I think it ties into like, yeah, something about the way he's been writing songs like on a computer these days. I'm not sure how much, like, obviously Linnell knows how to write music on a computer too, but the way Flans lately has tapped into like the way you can make shit weird today, right? Make music weird today yeah. is is special. Like the song I Like I Like Fun. You have I Like Fun with the vocal samples. Yeah. And, you know, that one, like, Cloisonne, you got all this space in there. There's all kinds of open areas yeah. where you just, you feel it's really, like, this This song and those songs are, are really open in that way. And uh, this has know. been the Flans Love Podcast. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, we got to throw the man some props. He is one of two Johns. Linnell writes those pop bangers. Sure, Flans can write them, too. But, man, the creativity that he still has after 40 years finding new ways to just fuck shit up like just make music just like and just mangle it right in these ways that 
they were doing on Rabid Child, right? But, you know, 30-something years later, it's crazy. Like, the way he's finding new ways, he's keeping stuff fresh for himself. He's amusing himself, obviously, right? He's like... He's like, I just heard of this thing called the Ring Modulator, John. Have you heard about this? It's like, oh, yeah. Let's put it on this song. Let's put it on this song. Let's put it on this song. And it's coming up with all these cool new things. Like, it sparked something in him. Like, this singular plug-in on whatever Pro Tools, Logic, Ableton, whatever he might be using. I'm an Ableton fan myself. So, just that one thing, like, could spiral off three songs. Mm-hmm. I, like I think that was like he's he's like here's this one effect, three songs come out of just yeah. that right like maybe the, and, and it's when, crazy. When Linnell is playing with all these microtones, he's uh-huh. he's he's yeah. Oh, let's try this. Let's try not like dog. You mentioned dog. You know, I mean, they're just trying to squeeze and stretch it to where they can keep themselves interested and keep it keep it from being the same old boring thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's amazing. These two guys. They're genius in their own way, and like whether it's like a built-in genius, like oh, this just springs out of them. That's part of it, but they're also like constantly like digging and discovering things. Even at the age of fifty-eight, Flange just turned sixty-two, right? Yeah. You said you're fifty-eight right now. Yeah. So they're still yeah, yeah. pushing themselves. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert at parkour of any. Like Have you tried though? <laughs> give us your. <laughs> you gotta take pop the pills like first, right? The song says, "Yep, pop, you know, or don't pop the pills; those will slow you down, turn you into a skeleton at the end right. of the video." You know? It's such a good video, but I think we should get to the cover section. What do you think? Let's As of two days ago, there was no cover section, so I was messaging Stanley here, like, "Shit, I might need to just grab my guitar and just like bash out a cover horribly on the air." I don't have to do that now because two people came to our aid. First, Eklamchi Akimbo sent me a cover. Let's listen to it. I'll drop it in right here. Floating around the roiling sea in our red cello cup. Rowing around the coral reef, thinking the whole thing up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cigarettes, I will tell you later. 
What did you think of Eklumpsy's cover? I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I I thought there was a lot of I don't know. It's just it's just really squeezes. There's a lot of there's a lot of compression in there, and I like the there's like the the, the drumming toward the end is reminding me of Wicked Little Critter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I bet you know if I asked them, but I that probably it really does sound like it which is that kind of it's like a chiptune kind of sound and it's like that on wicked little critter too it's like it's just that kind of like nintendo-y just like white noise snare sound where this the snare is really just like a piece of noise right it's like just like a little chunk of white noise but it also had like movements Uh it had like sections where where it changed and and so it's like a mutated a symphony of different pieces, you know. He's. I, I thought it was fun. I thought he. He said, "Let's let's take a let's take a, let's do more erector set yeah. with it." Like I think of Flans doing erector set. I think that you know he's doing a Flans thing with the erector yeah, set. Yeah, I got to give big props to my covers crew friends. Like Ekelemchi just kind of joined the covers crew recently, but Ekelemchi goes by contrary to popular belief and is all over the TMBS comps because they organize it right. The the uh, the a big part of those compilations. And so then in turn, you know, having been on a little bit of the, a couple of spots on those uh, TMBS comps, I said, you know, you want to be on Purple Toupee. And con- so contrary to popular belief on Purple Toupee was um, sometimes a lonely way, sometimes a lonely way. And it's great. There's like, there's banjo in it. There's banjo, like live played banjo. And it just get turns into like this spacey kind of. It's almost like some. It's almost like this slow chord mm-hmm. dream pop kind of thing. But it's got a banjo. They are extremely creative, and they contributed to the. This might book a podcast. Three tracks that are all wildly different. You've got less than one, which I drummed on. This was super fun. Less than one. The very last track off a of book turned into a hardcore song. Like throw down, just like elbows in the mosh pit kind of thing, and they did it with drum machine first and sent it to me. And Eklamshi was like, "I can't get it to sound right with drum program. Like it just doesn't work." And I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'll do it." So I just like I did maybe three takes, just like hard as I could, drumming right back there, and it was so fun. That came out great. And right before that is quit the circus. And that's like, it starts out with this like acapella auto-tuned <laughs> vocal. Al, blink, once for, you know, like it's got the little like blurb to it, like the share, you know, do you believe in life after love? That that intentionally heard auto-tune, 808s and heartbreak, whatever you, you tie it back to, T-Pain. But it then it, <laughs> it goes into this whole like postal service. I don't know if you know the postal service, Ben Gibbard and... Uh, Man, I suck. I can't remember the other guy. I've heard the name, but I don't. I don't. I don't These think I know jittery the sound, drum so. machines, like it was just this total like um, Owl City ripped off that band like multiple albums, but they put out one album, and it's just like these jittery drums, like very just kind of like skittering, but not too heavy. So you've got those two tracks on our comp that are just completely different, both done entirely by Eklemchi, and then also turned in and saved the day on. Super cool. I didn't have a cover. And then all of a sudden, she's like, here's something. And it's got like melodica and it's all crazy. Like very extremely creative musician. And guest co- guest host, Joel uh, Yellowitz came in like, here's another super cool. So all of a sudden I had 
two. And then here you've got this other thing that's, they were like, it says creative is the original, but in its own way. And I think the, the way Eklamchi covers songs is a lot like the way I cover them in that it's like, what haven't I done to a They Might Be Giant song, right? Like, how can I... Because there's some people that do straight-up covers, and that's an art in itself. It's like painting, like Bob Ross style, like realistically, you know, realism, right? Or you can go (laughs) surrealism and just fuck shit up, right? And just be like, you go furthest one direction that you can, or furthest this direction that you can. And that's how I've been doing covers lately. Like, when I did my Icky cover, I'm like, I'm just going to brick wall this with Big Muff Distortion fuzz pedal just like madness and drum machine and synth bass like like what's the craziest thing i could do and it's super fun and that's how akalamchi does the covers too so thanks for sending that in and now just today today no daniel of you know our german covers artist extraordinaire just saving the day on all these episodes all over the book uh tribute album that we put out comes to save the day yet again today at like noon which you know he's five hours in the future right so it's like evening time for him in germany I did not, I mean, I've listened to a bunch of things that Noah has done before with the other covers and on, on, on the podcast. And of course, mm-hmm. some of those pan compilations, but, uh, and I did not expect this. And I, I really thought it was very creative because he's, he's going in for the jazz chord progressions and mm-hmm. some of the more, you know, exploratory transformations of the modulation, I guess, is that a phrase? I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, just yes. it takes it a different way. And I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was really neat. 
Yeah, and it's completely different from Eclampsies. And this is why, like, I've assembled just this awesome crew of people who, you know, some of them, like Kai and Daryl, like, theirs are very thoughtful, very arranged, very precisely performed. And that, like, I love that realm, too. Like, just, like, so slick. And I'm not using that in a negative way. Like, just, like, so thought out and produced wonderfully. And I, I strive for that in a lot of ways, too. But I also like the dirty, just like lo-fi, off the cuff, like, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. And that's what both of these both of these guys do. The Eklamchi will do it. There's there's more multi-track stuff going on with, with their cover. But then Noah is going lo-fi, even like more lo-fi than... Like a lounge. Know, than even the most, like... Like, Noah will throw me some sparse covers, just like, hey, I heard you needed a cover. Here you go. Like, saves the day all the time. Like, hey, I had a minute. I recorded this into my phone. <laughs> and so the message I got, just saw that you needed a cover for today, and it has 59 seconds with the play button right there. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, oh, wait, this doesn't work for longer than a minute, it seems. He tried to record it directly into Messenger. Not onto the computer, not onto the phone even, had Facebook Messenger open. That means he has a facility for all those chords and all those songs. Yeah, this is not edited. So then I said, oh, sweet, Eklemchi got me one. Now I have two covers. It's perfect. And I said, can you email it sometime in the next eight hours? Yeah, this was at noon. I'm like, can you send it in the next eight hours? I'm like, you'll probably be in bed by then. And he said, probably, smiley face, I'll have to record it again on my laptop. That's the easiest. So so he recorded it again. He said, here, just, just recorded it to notice afterwards that there was a little part missing. So I had to fix it with a little second vocal track in the end. You'll hear what I mean. And if you, haven't, if you don't know Noah, he had surgery on his arm. He said, I'm so glad I can use my left arm again, at least for the piano, another two weeks without accordion. So, Noah, Godspeed with the rest of your recovery. By the time this episode comes out, you may be playing the accordion again and sending me covers for Become a Robot or whatever I'm recording around that time. I, I can't keep my own schedule straight. So, both these, my peeps, my covers crew, coming through in awesome. Awesome. under the wire, sending us two covers. Amazing. So, both of you, thank you. And I think we need to score this song. Now's the time. Well, so it's a demo, I guess. I mean, it's made of samples, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you define a They Might Be Giants song these days, you know, or ever? I don't know. I don't know. know. I mean, <laughs> it's written by Flans. It's a They Might Be Giants song. But the tools, you know, the modern tools have gotten yeah. to where it doesn't sound like, you know, something throwaway. It really is a, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that you could make a full studio version of it with a band and really get the same effect that that's built into this. Yeah. I think the effect that you, that you want out of this is this, what it is. So I don't, I Do you don't think they could it play like, it live. Do you think they could play it live if they wanted to? I don't know. I mean, like some of these songs, like McCafferty's Bib. How are you going to play that live? How are you going to play Dog live? You know, I don't know, but I'd like to see them try. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I mean, a song like this is like you would you would have to have the old tape tape machine playing the parts of it so they yeah, sing along maybe. with it, right? I don't know. Maybe something for the Quiet Storm, right? Maybe they reintroduce a backing track for the Quiet Storm, or Marty can cue a sample 
by hitting the pad. By hitting Something the like pad, that. yeah. By using modern methods. Do they ever play like your own worst enemy live? That's like another sample based. I love yeah. that one. I love that one when it came out because it was like a throwback to the duo era. Because it was, yeah, it was amazing. I love it too. I just I don't think you're going to see that live. I, I don't think it's devalued for that reason. I but I think they devalue it a little bit. Maybe. 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 Well, I think they write some almost like we've talked about the Beatles, right? Like pushing the envelope. They became a studio only band, and I think they might be giants. Kind of do both worlds where it's like we write so many of these songs and they can be played live. But then here's a handful where like studio trickery messing around. We'll probably yeah. never play it live. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. If we don't, who cares? Right. We got a bajillion other songs. So yeah, your own worst enemy has been played 50 times. Oh my goodness. I must've missed it. Oh. Yeah. 50 times. But, but anyway, what are you going to score Robo Mayor? <laughs> we need to score. We need to score. I think yeah. of it as at the top, uh, toward the top of Flan. I, I was going to try to say it was like an 8 or 8.5, but I really love it so much. It's got to be an 8.5. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so solid. Would you make a t-shirt of any song less than an 8? I don't think so. No, no, no. <laughs> but, I mean, and like I said, it's, it, the, the, the music is just, to me, it stands out in its own way. That it doesn't. There's nothing else in, the, in the, their catalog to compare it to it. Yeah. But then to, to lay these lyrics on there and to, to make it go to the next level where it's a, it's a puzzle you're struggling. Well, what does it mean? It's got these clues. It's got this ob- yeah. obscure language. It's a complete package. I love it. It's eight to me. It's a, I gotta say 8.5. I was going to say maybe eight, but I gotta say 8.5. Yeah. I mean, hell through our conversation. I mean, that I think has elevated it. And like I said, props to you for picking this song. Cause I, you know, I hadn't intentionally ignored it. It's just, it's my murder remains. It's sitting on my CD shelf. It's on the thumb drive and you just picking it. I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good song. And then now, episodes coming up a year later right i'm like let's finally do this thing this song is great it's track but it's track 13 on an album that's called my murdered remains like they're basically telling you like yeah here's the leftovers but it's so good right and you're like you said like maybe they're diminishing it a little bit but it's a great song i i think as far as my murdered remains songs goes it has been elevated to the level of like i've always loved dog but that has the, the advantage of being track four, right? I hear that weirdness, Linnell's style of weirdness. Great song, super creative. This one, while it's at track 13, it's it's up there with Dog as far as the best weird songs off of My Murder Remains. I mean, Communists, I've Been Seeing Things, Ampersand, Necrolls, those are all like the pop gems of different varieties that they can do. Those are the pop bangers off this, but like, Untrust robot, this uh, dog, like that's the weirdness. And my murder remains. Yeah, it doesn't get the props that it deserves. Maybe it would if it were <laughs> streaming on more than YouTube. <laughs> but I can't stress this enough, fellas. It like I want to put this on a playlist. That's I mean I could do an iTunes playlist. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, best b-sides i don't know do you call us a b-side best weird songs maybe i'll make a best weird songs playlist (laughs) which i did on spotify and it's like 93 songs (laughs) but i'll have to do another one just to get my murder main songs on there just to get escape team songs on there so i'm stalling trying to figure out what my score would be but stacking it up against my murder main songs it is one of the one of the great ones off there. And I think I can't go quite as high as you, but I think I'm going to, nah, I, mm, do I like it better than prepare? 
I just, you know, Prepare will have just come out. You haven't heard it yet, but I gave that a seven. Mm. Prepare is really great. Prepare, prepare. is great. Ah, but the things we t- like the the creativity, like the sheer weirdness of Flans coming out in the modern recording era. era I'm gonna go seven point one. Take that, prepare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. So, Stanley, do you have anything to plug? Do you want people to find you on Twitter or Facebook or or what do you want people? Where do you want them to go to find you, if anywhere? I don't really like do like stuff out there except I mean I I, I just join in with the jokes on the yeah they might be giants uh, Facebook groups and you uh, keep up with these kids you know you show them how it's done man show them I, how memes were before they were called memes <laughs> back when we just called them sight gags I don't know what <laughs> it's such a weird thing the internet these I've, days I've also spent a lot of time on the wiki I spent I, I've done a lot of updates in the wiki. Okay. So I'm on there as as Nehushtan on the wiki. Now, what is Nehushtan? What am I? What is that? A re, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my wife my wife asked me that question one time. And I said, yeah. "Well, you've got to read the Bible all the way through to find it." Uh, and I, okay. I, made, I made her I made her read it. This is before people <laughs> Google things all the time because it's it's actually uh, one ref, one word referenced one time in the Bible. Of course, people can just Google it if they want, but. It's more fun to say, go find it by reading sequentially from beginning to end. And you'll eventually get it. <laughs> All right, people, you have your assignment. <laughs> what is your Twitter handle, though? Because I, I have to at you in the, the picture I'm about to post. It's at Nehushtan, N-E-H-U-S-H-T-A-N. There you are. Okay. Yep, Nehushtan. No one else thought to claim that as their Twitter handle. That's how obscure it is. I got there early enough. There are, there are some people that have gotten that before me in other places, but I've got there early enough for that one. So that was about it. I, did, I only did it because I wanted to, to follow a couple of TMBG things. I'm not really spending any time except for that. So. Oh, yeah. Clicking on TMBG hashtags, it's funny, like, digging into the very, very, mm. the super fan community. Super fun. Like, Reddit's a good place <laughs> for that, too. I only go on Reddit for the MIP Giants stuff, pretty much. Tumblr, I don't go on that anymore. But that again, these little places where you can find the fans. So go fo- follow Nehushtan. It's Stanley Allen on Twitter. And people know where to find me. Fuck it. It's too late. I'll just say leave me voicemails. 224-801-2930. How about this? Tell me, what are your favorite weirdest Flan songs from the past five years? What do you got? We've talked about a bunch of them. So call me, 224-801-2930. Or if you don't like hearing the sound of your own voice, like apparently we do, Stanley's a professional podcaster now too, it's this might be a pod at Gmail. Other than that, I think we got to peace out because holy cow, it's only 10.06 for you, but it's 11.06 for me, and I wake up at 5.15 on school days. <laughs> I'm fucked. Oh. I've been cursing up. I love it. I love it. And you're Thank a Bible you. reading man. I've I've been just desecrating <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm a heretic. What can I say? You know, but Jesus loves everyone, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Except Greg Simpson. <laughs> so <laughs> with that, I think we'll call it a night because I am loopy. Whoo. There was never such a thing as a robot mayor. For a pack of cigarettes, I will tell you later.